when you travel as much as I used to before COVID, I was on the road 45 weekends a year. My nickname was the Travel Channel. And you are dealing with people six days a week with their pain and their confusion and their desires. And you, know, and you have to be there for them. Right. I, I love the fact that my next door neighbors are sheep. That I just go out and look at this magnificent plot of land that is still no different than it was 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's how I ground. I mean, look, I admit... I'm one of those people who says roughing it means no room service at the hotel. I don't camp, but it doesn't mean that I don't crave nature, mountains, the beach. I'm a Pisces. I'm Grand Trine water. I need my my footies in the sand. It grounds me and it clears the decks. Welcome to the Insightful Adventuring Podcast. I am your host, Heather Webster, and I'm so excited to have you here today. As you know, this podcast used to be formerly called Saved by Mother Earth, so you are in the right spot. I changed it because I am starting to really look at supporting women around having confidence in making those dreams come true, really using insight and intuition to support you in making those decisions to do travel, whether it be something small where you're just going to be leaving and driving a couple hours to go for a camping trip, or whether it's something even bigger where you're going to be going for weeks, or you're going to do something like me where I decided to sell everything, including my house and everything I own, and move into my truck and travel full time uh, until I figure out what the next step is, if there's going to be another next step, or if I'm going to continue doing this lifestyle. So the idea is supporting you in creating those dreams that you might have, knowing that those dreams can change, and really using insight and your intuition to help shape that, to really be what you want to be and dive into that even more deep. So speaking of that, I am going to start creating a product that I'm going to share with everybody around making that possible for you, where I will talk about what are those things you need? What does preparation look like? for planning that trip of a lifetime that you want to plan as a solo traveler? What does that look like in terms of safety? What does that look like in terms of how you're going to deal with maybe some loneliness that might come up or the excitement? What does it mean if you want to take it to a whole nother level and become a digital nomad like I am? So really kind of making it so it's individualized, but also figuring out how to make that possible for you. You might be thinking, oh, this isn't possible. Or you might be thinking, why should I deserve to get that? Or I can't do that yet. I have to do this first. And we're going to talk about that and kind of demystify what could be possible for you. Take out those myths that you've been telling yourself. Take out those thoughts and give you the confidence to make those first steps because it's so exciting. So 
just wanted to share that, that that will be coming out soon. Keep an eye out. If you want to know when that does roll out, let me know, send me a DM, whether it be in social media or send me an email in the link that is in the show notes. But if you want to, if it's easier, my email is um, heatherwebsterwellness at gmail.com. So a pretty easy email to remember and, or just find it in the show notes. But Without further ado, I am so excited to bring this interview to you with Corby. Uh, this was a fantastic conversation where we talked about all things woo and nature and spirituality. And we talked about Oracle cards and tarot cards. And we talked about some of the things that are happening with climate change and thanking the environment for the signs and signals that are coming. We talked about so many little cool pieces that I hope as you listen to this, you enjoy the interview as much as I did. It was such a pleasure to have her on the podcast. And so without further ado, here's the interview. Well, welcome everybody to the Insightful Adventuring Podcast. I am so excited because I have Corby Mitleid here to share some of her amazing experience and just all just her amazingness. So welcome, Corby, and tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are. Okay. Hi, Heather. It's great to be here. Um, I am a full-time psychic medium, certified tarot master, past life specialist, channel author. I do wiki-woo, it's what I tell people. But I've been interested in this since I was nine. I read a book called The Witch Family, and I said, ooh, there's magic in the world. I want to go find it. In 1973, when I was a senior in high school, and yes, my darlings, that tells you how old I am, that was the year Live and Let Die came out. Spencer Gibbs had the James Bond 007 tarot deck, and I bought it because we were all hippies then. Um, I read for 20 years, even though other people have moved on to roller skates and disco balls, because the stories that the cards told me were fascinating. So I read for friends, kept my ego out of the way. All of a sudden in the early 90s, I could do hands-on healing and talk to dead people with no training. That's when I hung out my shingle. Meanwhile, doing lots of other things, actress, author, inspirational speaker, writer for ElfQuest, video producer, legal assistant, executive recruiter. But 9-11, I watched the towers burn and I turned to my husband and I said, I need to do the work full time. People need to know there are other answers out there. He said, I believe in you. Go do it. Since then, it's six days a week, 14 hours a day. I read a thousand people a year and I get to get up in the morning. I don't have to get up in the morning. Wow. I love that. So I just recently started doing some readings and I lean towards Oracle cards. Um, okay. They're good too. And I use them. Yeah. And right, let's see if we can do it. Oh, yeah. I got I have eight <laughs> decks plus my tarot deck because Oracle decks are gorgeous. They don't mm -hmm. have to fit inside these rules. And I don't know how you do, but I have found every time I buy an Oracle deck, it tells me what it wants to be used for. I yep. have one for relationships. I have one that is very compassionate. I have one that kicks you in the butt. I have one that gives you a storyline. I even have a children's deck which when you are a professional reader, it's really important. People don't think about it. You're at a big psychic fair and your client has their two-year-old on your lap. 
And it's going, mommy, 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 card, card, card. And she says, will you please let Muffin pull a card? What are you going to do if Muffin pulls the death card in the tarot card? No, you don't do that. So you right. always have a simple child's deck with cute kitties and puppies. And the kid can pull a card. And mommy is fine. And you're fine. And the kid doesn't have nightmares. Yes. So. A lot of times what I'm doing, so I do Oracle card parties once a month oh, yeah. through through Zoom. And there's always kids in the background. So I have a couple mm -hmm. decks that I will use with them. Oh, you're smart. You're smart. It's and it's, they're so beautiful. And I just let them speak to me, right? Like there's the mm -hmm. books and all of that, but just being able to put that aside. You don't need the book. You don't. I mean, book. one of my very favorite Oracle decks is, um, this is the uh, Whispers of Ganesh. Deck. Yes. And it's so beautifully rendered. And it really is when someone is really, really hurting, that is the deck that goes, me, me, I want to talk to them. Yeah. And it, it always helps. It is. And it's so powerful to be able to use the deck as a tool mm -hmm. to help share the words that are coming to you. Yes, very much so. So and tell us a little bit about, oh, go ahead. Uh, what I was going to say is people love pictures. Mm -hmm. Instead of our just pontificating, they see the picture and it works. So now, question. Sorry. Well, and it's also neat because when they see the picture, it helps them start reading for themselves. Yes. To see what yes. comes out at them. So like, that's one of the things I try to share with the listeners too, is that we all have this ability. Mm -hmm. We do. Pick it up and it just takes honing it. I teach a course, you would love it. I teach a course called Decadance. And I show people that within three hours max, I can teach you to pick up any Oracle deck and you will read it instantly. Mm -hmm. People are not afraid of Oracle decks. It's tarot has all these rules, but Oracle decks are just high. Do you want to play? Yeah. I walk into a store and I'm like, which one talks to me? <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then it's That's like, how you buy a deck. And what's really nice too, is knowing that like, you can go and use that deck for a little while. And at some point it might not speak to you anymore. And that's okay too. Mm -hmm. And letting it release to the next person that it needs to release to. Exactly. Exactly. So tell us a little bit about, you've written some books and mm -hmm. you've been talking about a little bit how nature kind of works in. So how do you incorporate what you do with the bigger world? I mean, what you do is the bigger world, but. <laughs> well, you got to figure it this way. I grew up in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Oh my God, Saboibia in the 60s and 70s. But where I am now is not where I expected to be. I live in the Northern Catskills and we have a tiny little bungalow, 864 square feet in the middle of 12 acres of hayfield surrounded by mountains. Now, when I first moved up here, this was not rural. This was lunar. And it was, how am I gonna survive? But, you know, we're an hour from Albany. It's not a big deal. At the same time, when you travel as much as I used to before COVID, I was on the road 45 weekends a year. My nickname was the Travel Channel. And you are dealing with people six days a week with their pain and their confusion and their desires. And, you know, and you have to be there for them. Right. I, I love the fact that my next door neighbors are sheep. That. I just go out and look at this magnificent 
plot of land that is still no different than it was a hundred years ago. And that's how I ground. I mean, look, I admit I'm one of those people who says roughing it means no room service at the hotel. I don't camp, but it doesn't mean that I don't crave nature, mountains, the beach. I'm a Pisces. I'm grand trying water. I need my, my footies in the sand. Yeah. It grounds me and it clears the decks. Yes. And everybody's idea of what nature looks like for them is so different. And it, it's mm-hmm. okay that it's different. So for me, I love the mountains. For you, mm-hmm. you love the beach, right? And so it's everybody, and it calls to your soul. Versus, it does. Versus being like, oh, I have to like the mountains because that's what they say you're supposed to love. I'm supposed to like the beach. No. Like you go with what calls. <laughs> mm-hmm. The thing that I love about here is I have learned the seasons mm. more than I have. You know, I've been up here for 20 years now. I know that May is Dame's Rocket. June is Daisy's. Chicory comes in July. August is when our first sentinel tree starts the color. And these are things I never would have looked at mm. before living up here. And the birds. You know, Corby is Gaelic for Blackbird, for Ravens. Um, we have about a half a dozen crows here that come to the backyard every day for what I refer to as moth feathers, seed and suet diner. Um, you have never seen anything funnier than a very piggy crow trying to pick up four mini donuts, powdered sugar donuts <laughs> in its beak. And as it flaps away, the donut is hitting it in the face and it doesn't care because it's got a donut. Um, you know, we don't do that every day, occasional treats. But um, we have birdie neighbors. We have eagles. We've had an eagle feed on a, a downed deer in our hayfield. And the deer was already dead, yeah. but it was a bald eagle. And you watch this majestic bird and you are just gobsmacked. We've had um, a red-tailed hawk zoom right in front of our window and grab one of the blue jays you know and people are going ew but this is nature yes this is really nature the part of nature that i really don't like and i avoided all talks are uh costs are ticks and snakes Thank <laughs> i you. don't mind the snakes but ticks and skunks are my skunks scare me because it's like if i get sprayed i really have nowhere to clean off very easily i mean right now i'm house sitting obviously but Skunks are always one of those things where you're like, huh, you just don't know when you might get hit by one and ticks for the various for the same reason. But oh, yeah. So, yeah, very similar to what you were just saying. There's something Mm -hmm. phenomenal about watching nature function. Yes. Right. And watching the rhythms and flows and how mm-hmm. yes every every season things change but it's it's pretty consistent and something you yes. can almost rely on and know okay yes. this is when for me when i lived up in new hampshire it was this is when the hummingbirds come this is mm-hmm. when those flowers but do you find and i'm one and i'm guessing you are too this is where my woo comes in quite a bit is mm-hmm. i am constantly looking for signal not i'm not purposely looking for signals like oh i need to find it but the signals are always coming in when i'm in nature 
It's called you are observant. Yes. <laughs> Your radar is tuned. Yes. Yes. Um, I agree. When a hawk crosses my path, we have herons. Herons are longevity and good fortune, etc. When I see, first thing I do is I say thank you to the bird. Thank you for reminding me what is available to me. Um, it's it's an amazing thing, but you have to be ready also for the tough stuff. Yes, you really do. Um, on the good side, though, when I moved out here, I went apple picking for the first time, and as my hand reached up and put. It, my fingers around the fruit and just pulled it off. That was a miracle to me. The other thing people are going to laugh. My dear friends were on a farm. And the first time that I went with them and stuck my paw under this fluffy chicken butt and pulled out an egg, it was like, look at this, it's an egg. And they're laughing. But, you know, we've lost that wonder. We've lost that amazement. But we're going to get it back especially with things like the spotted lanternfly, which is going to attack trees and crops. It's, it's a pretty locust is what it is. And there will be food scarcity. There will be things you cannot get anymore because of the climate chaos. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that being in nature will remind you of is this is ephemeral. You may not always have this passenger pigeons. Um, things like that certain woodpecker gone that people thought were always going to be around um so one of the reasons you got to be in nature is Joni Mitchell song you don't know what you've got till it's gone don't yeah. be there don't be there yes and i'm noticing I, I it's interesting because when you're living your everyday life it's easy to be able to say like oh it's not really happening but as mm -hmm. i've been traveling I'm seeing it in all different areas of the country mm -hmm. like throughout yeah. the U.S., whether it be in Nevada, where the lakes are completely dry. Um, mm -hmm. I was in Salt Lake City, not Salt Lake City. I was in uh, Lake Tahoe the other day and I was mm -hmm. looking at that lake and I I used to live in California. So I visit Lake Tahoe often and how much more shallow it is. It's a puddle. Yeah. It's a puddle. And it's it, and then you and go and you see all the fires which fires have always happened but the amount and that and it's it's helping me appreciate where we really are mm -hmm. and that we do need to see it are you seeing I, I know one of the things that we've been talking about at a spiritual level with different people that I talk to is just there's a like a spiritual awakening happening at the same time as some of this stuff that's like really like more negative and that yeah, it's not only nature, it's politics, etc. But look, yeah. everything dies and everything gets reborn. Right. You know, it's why I talk about being an elder, not a boomer. A big difference. Love it. Boomers are the ones who said we had the greatest cars and the greatest music, and maybe we did, but um, and why aren't the kids doing in 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 the way we did it was right. And I just look at people that say that and I say, we never worried about getting murdered in school. Yeah. We never worried that the world would be uninhabitable in our lifetime. We never worried that our neighbor would come and put a gun to our head because we chose a vaccine or who we love or how we voted. Yeah. It's a different world. 
So how do you become an elder instead of a boomer? Number one is you get off the stage. You realize it's their turn now. Mm-hmm. You offer advice only when asked. And you learn to be a third trencher. Now, what's a third trencher? This goes back to World War One. You had the people who went over the top in the front trench and the reserves are in the second, ready to go. But the third trench was hospitals, food, the things that were needed to keep going. When you are a third trencher elder, if there is a huge food drive for the homeless, you pack the bags and you wash the dishes. You let the front stage stuff, the planning of it, the publicity, et cetera, that's for Gen X, Gen Z, millennials. Let them put their stamp on it. Mm. And the uh, older people I've talked to, they're going like this, but the younger people are like, oh my God, will you please trumpet this? Yeah. Nobody gets this, but we have to, because that is also how we're going to save nature is we let the millennials do what they want to do. We let the Gen Z's march and protest and create, and we stay in the third trench and help. I am so amazed watching my nephew who is now in college and watching his dedication and his drive for different purposes and beliefs and values. And it's so Mm -hmm. nice because it's like, it's refreshing to see that things are raising up Mm -hmm. and right. You need, you need to have that balance. And we're hoping that, right. Some of that good that's rising up will help. And we've seen it throughout history happen. Mm -hmm. And this is just so much more, it feels more extreme, but it's also the first time experiencing it too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Talk about extreme. Um, Look at Fiona, which devastated the Maritimes in Canada. They've never had anything like this. As you and I are talking, Ian is ramping up. They haven't had a hurricane like this uh, in the Tampa area in a hundred years. Nothing is off the table anymore. Mm -hmm. Don't assume it's never been. So it won't be. Yes. So speaking of that, what, what are some tips for people that they can do, whether it be kind of, say it's a Gen X or Gen Z listening to this, or even somebody who wants to tap into their intuition, feel free to share any tips that you have that as as a wound person, whatever (laughs) comes to you, you could share. (laughs) The most, well, there are three things I'm going to bring up. First thing is you really need to find your sentence of passion. Mm. Your sentence of passion is not who you are or what you do or even how you do it. It's your vapor trail. When you go skidding into heaven on bald tires and fumes in the tank, and God hands you a beer and says, so you get to go, I did this. Isn't it cool? Now, my sentence of passion is cross the bridge from fear to fearlessness and fly. When I can take somebody from point A to point B when they thought they couldn't make it, I'm living my bliss. And I've done it in every job I've had. So don't think, well, I have to help the environment with blah, blah, blah. What's your sentence of passion? What do you love? You know, like, don't put me in a place where I'm just doing a lot of data entry and research. For one thing, math, me, one and one is three on alternate Tuesdays. No. I'm the storyteller. I'm the preacher. I'm the one who inspires people. That's my gift. But the scientists, my nephew is a genius scientist uh, up in Boston, and he's one of the people that works with uh, mRNA and the kind of people that helped us get the vaccine about COVID. So that's how he's helping the future. I help differently. Yes. 
Um, so that's one. Second thing is live the examined life. And you do that like this. This is happening and I don't like it, but it's going to happen. What's the lesson I can take from it for me personally? What can I teach with it? And then next, don't stay stuck in the story. There are three questions you always ask. What am I X about? Upset, afraid, angry. Why am I X about that? And then you say, what do I think would happen if I stopped being angry and upset, afraid about that? We never ask ourselves that third question. Yeah. And when we realize we have choices on how we're going to react, it's called stimulus belief response. That's when we change toward what we really want to create. And the last thing is to learn to be a happy Martian detective. Now, what's this? Let's say you and I were sitting across each other from a table and you had water coming out of your eyes. And I might say, why are you crying? But I could be wrong. Glebel the Martian, who has just been assigned to go and look at Earth and learn about humans, comes out of his saucer and toddles over very happily and goes, why is there water coming from your eyes? And he could get a better answer because maybe your contact lenses are bugging you. Right. Or maybe you have allergies or maybe there's an emotional basis. When we just ask questions ready for any answer, we are in our power and we get more tools to make the changes we want. Wow. All three of those, so powerful tips. Well, yeah, I'm an old lady. I learned Yeah. <laughs> you have a lot of whys, but that vape, I wrote down the vapor trail piece because I think it's so, people are always like, what is, what am I supposed to be doing right now? Right. Or, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I hate the supposed yeah. to, right. Or the shoulds. Um, and this idea, don't shoot on yourself is what exactly. I tell you. I love this idea around the vapor trail because it's, mm -hmm. that is right. When you're leaving behind, that is your, your legacy of what did you leave behind? And it doesn't have to be something physical. No, it, not at all. And, and you know, in, go ahead. in my first book, clean out your life closet, there's a chapter on getting clear on your purpose, which is what that is. Right. <clears throat> and I want to share six ideas with you. Great. First one is, what has your life been about? And this is not as simple as you think. For instance, if you've always had a roller coaster relationship with money, how has that shaped your idea of prosperity? Does it mean you feel you're doomed to a marginal existence? Does it make you want to make money no matter what? Does it get you to simplify your life so that lack is now just I have enough? Um, if alcoholics and drug users surround you, but you don't do that stuff, what does it tell you about your strength of will? How do you feel about those who use? Are you holier than thou? Do you want to help them get clean or you just want to ignore them? So that's what has your life been about? Second is where does your happiness live? And that's why I talked about, you know, don't put me in a room with data entry. I'm, I'm a right brain creative. Where do I find comfort? That's not yoga pants and pizza. That's Words are my drug of choice. I'm a writer. My beloved late stepmother, Shirley, was never happier than when she had her fingers in the dirt planting moss plugs because she was a landscape architect. Mm -hmm. And my buddy, Rena, is a comedian. And if she can get you to laugh, she's on all cylinders. So those are where we find comfort. What crises changed your life? That's huge. 
I know with me, it's been three bouts of breast cancer, two divorces, the death of my parents, rape, poverty, abuse. There's lots to work with, but it's why I, my compassion has gone deep for people. Mm-hmm. How do you learn to work best? That's left brain versus right brain, morning versus evening person. And what do you want to be remembered for? And that doesn't have to be national. Yes. It can be my children will remember me and love me and will make a difference in the world for me. Yeah. Kind of thing. Do you, do you find when, cause here you're talking about the dip, like that idea of like money and the idea of like what makes you happy. And then some mm-hmm. of the trauma and experience you've been through when you're mm-hmm. talking about purpose or this vapor trail or things that people are going to remember you by, Do you find that if you step back and look at who you were as a child before some of that trauma and some of those Mm -hmm. other things happened, that gives clues of where you're going to find your purpose? Or do you find that when you're working with people that it encompasses all of the experiences you've had? And it's everything. It's every, it's the patterns we go through. I mean, I am a very, very different person than I was child 20s, 30s. I mean, you know, my mother was an alcoholic cross addicted with barbiturates. It was a horrible childhood. Um, By the time I was 11, I literally had a Dolly Parton figure. And the world taught me that was all I was worth. Mm. And I believed it until all of a sudden, double mastectomy, just after I got married to my wonderful husband, And I went from a Dolly Parton figure to a fat fire plug with permanent side effects and fast aging. Mm -hmm. And I could do nothing about it. That now that's the examined life. Didn't want it to happen. Was going to went home and cried for 24 hours when they told me. But then I said, I have to find three reasons to be okay with it. Didn't care how stupid they were. So you don't have them. You can't get cancer there. The top half doesn't get slammed in the refrigerator door at the doctor's every year. And every woman listening knows what I'm saying here. Implants means I'll be perky till I'm 93. Okay. And so that was 18 years ago. I am completely clean. I will remain completely clean. And this is what 67 looks like. Mm. Now, admittedly, um, there's a nice slight filter on the Zoom camera. And I didn't have kids. And when you don't have kids, that takes 10 years off your looks right there. But this is still not who I used to be. But I've made peace with that. Yes. And... My husband and I have our 20th anniversary next month. So we worked through it together. Yeah. And so powerful to be able to look at those moments and look at what to be grateful for. Yes. Versus, and, and I think that does and so tools. much. Yes. Yes. The things that are there for you to help you get through those moments mm-hmm. help shape who you are and who you're becoming. And also help the other people that you're helping. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll perfectly admit the fact that I'm not this little perky size two blonde with a trust fund that I've been down as badly as I've been. People trust me more that I'm not going to judge them for Mm -hmm. what is happening to them. Yeah, it's so true. And I think so many people that are trying to figure out what is that thing that they want to do, they might think about this idea of whether it be a business or a a hobby or any of those pieces of things that they want to do, but they're, they say they're not ready yet because they don't have the look or the experience. And it, 
And sometimes that is what the people need that you're going to be serving mm-hmm. is exactly. what you have right they, now. You know, um, several years ago, somebody told me on my Facebook page, I must never say anything negative or down. They expect, I'm sorry. I'm not glurpy purple with angels. I'm not. Hello. I'm little dancing raccoon. And here's my spirit guide, Arctic bear. Can I vomit now? Oh, please. I'm a New Yorker. Deal with it. Right. And the fact that I do have down days and I do worry and I do get angry, but I pick myself up and go on. That's what my clients treasure. Plus the fact that I will always tell you I'm not special. You can do what I do. I lost a reality show because of that. Um, I ready to sign the contract and they said, and we'll tell everybody, nobody can do what you do. And blah, blah. I said, wait, you can't do that. That makes a lie out of my whole life. Right. Oh, well, we don't want you then. And they went and found, you know, Tyler Perry or whatever, who knows. Yeah. But I was not going to take Hollywood's 30 pieces of silver, if you will, to lie about who I was or tell everybody I'd been lying to them for years. Right. No, I'm not special. You can do what I do, guys. You can. Yep. And it's it's so powerful when you can speak the truth. And Mm -hmm. I've been finding that too. And it's very interesting because just as I was starting to speak, like some of the difficulties of the stuff that Mm -hmm. I deal with every day as a nomad, but also just like trying to start speaking up and saying, okay, women, it's time to speak up. It's time to come forward. And this is like starting to do that. This cough came on and I was like, wait a minute, I'm trying to speak the truth. (laughs) That's right. That's right. I'm sure Louise Hay has something about what a cough means. Right. It's got to mean something. And I was like, well, that's the throat chakra. And what could that be? And maybe I'm trying to Mm -hmm. like, maybe I'm not, I haven't figured it all out yet of what my truth is. And so it's trying to keep me back until that truth can come out. But it's, Mm -hmm. it's so... It's just so powerful and amazing when you could start Mm -hmm. dissecting out what all those pieces are and what the signs are and that everybody can do it. Mm -hmm. And it's, and I I think that like, I love how you were talking about the reality show because people want something that's special, but it's, this is in everybody and it is Mm -hmm. special, but everybody can do it. That's right. And you know that reality show is an oxymoron. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, it. what drives me crazy, people see the Long Island medium walk up to someone in Wegmans who's feeling up the cantaloupes and she goes, your aunt Dorva says you got a bad toy or in the back and you're going to die in a car accident if you don't fix it in a week. She's telling you and walks away. This is bull. Right. First, her PR people went and looked at all the Wegmans grocery stores on Long Island and chose one. Then they interviewed a whole lot of people and got them to sign model releases. And then it was rehearsed six times. But the problem is people see that and the rookies in our field think that's what you're supposed to do. And they just walk up to strangers and start saying, I have a message for you. And, you know, people don't know them from Adam's house, cat. That's harassment. And that is what I call a drive-by psychic shooting. Yes. Yeah, don't do it. Right. I'm always, if I get messages, obviously they're messages that are for people that I know. And mm-hmm. one came through for somebody that I used to work with. And I was like, why is this happening? Um, but yeah. you don't doubt it. You're just like, I was driving and it came through. And I, I, I always ask permission, like you should mm-hmm. of like, this is some, I heard a message. May I come to you? I have a message. Yes. Simple. 
And they did. And the and the uh, woman who I gave the message to was like, why did he come through you? And I said, good question. So I asked, I said, why are you coming through me? He goes, you're not going to charge her. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And he's like, and or sometimes, open. you know, you'll, you'll dismiss it. You'll try to rationalize it unless you do what we do. Right. Um, but, you know, the other thing is healers. Same thing. It, it, one of my pet peeves. You know, I'm reading for 11 hours a day at a psychic fair. And so I get neck pains and headache because I'm like this for hours. But there's always one of the little dancing raccoon types who comes and goes, I know some Reiki. I'll help you. And she comes at you with her hands open. And I go, no, thank you. No, really, I can't. Please don't. I'll just take it. And you finally ask, you go, back off. And they look at you and they get all wobbly lipped and go, you're not very love and light, are you? Well, you didn't listen. Yeah. One of the reasons people are afraid of intuitives is because they think we will not respect boundaries. Yeah. We have to respect them more than anybody else, not less. Well, and that goes into like, even how you enter into nature. I always ask permission. Mm -hmm. And I love Mm -hmm. that you mentioned that you like, thank those messages that come through. And Mm -hmm. And in, in thank that that bird for coming your way and stuff like that. And I think that is such a powerful way of being. And it shows just respect and boundaries. But it also shows other people how to have mm-hmm. respect and boundaries. When you're doing yeah. that, you're also showing that it's okay to have those boundaries. It is. You know, you're, you're going to laugh. Um, we have a very long driveway and a tiny house. So rather than a treadmill, I just walk the driveway up and down every day. And uh, right across from our house is several acres of woods. And there is a big fallen tree trunk that has some stuff on the end that kind of looks like a face. And whenever I walk, the first thing I do is the morning grandfather. It's the grandfather energy. Mm -hmm. And you know, you would think you're talking to a dead piece of wood. I don't care. If no. I'm seeing a face in there, what I'm probably seeing is a reflection of the old forest energy that is coalescing there for me. Yes. Um, I have a dear friend who is a shaman and she came in to clear our land. And what she found was there were 16 First Nations spirits that were on it. 10 of them left, six said they were willing to stay as guardians of the land. So once a month, I go out to the tree we found them, there's tobacco on there, and I bake a loaf of bread that I just leave under the tree for the people that need it, the squirrels, the birds, etc. It's merely saying thank you to nature guardians. Am I nuts? Maybe. Does it hurt? No. No, and it's it's really funny because when I take a picture of something that reminds me of like there's trees that I was camping by the other day mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that tree, it like clearly was an eye and there were three mm-hmm. eyes in the tree mm-hmm. arc and I posted a picture and I said, what do you see? And everybody wrote back and said eyes and I was like, yes, it's so clear when yes. that happens, but you're just like, yes, there is that spirit or energy mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. nature and the more than human world, right? In that it's Absolutely. so much to that. And mm-hmm. I just bought tobacco for the first time when I was in Salem, Mass, 
over the summer to, to start doing that as an offering. But I was also speaking with somebody who was doing a reading for me. And she said, cause I was saying how I wanted to experience. I'm very much of a, about the senses, right? As yeah, <laughs> we all are. It. And mm-hmm. one of the things I like to do is when I get to a new campsite, clear it of energy. And she said, use the sense and burn things that are similar to where you come from. It doesn't have to be the sage. It doesn't have to, where do your ancestors come from? That's right. And since I'm from German and Germany and some other in England, I think like that for my ancestry, she was talking about like using cinnamon and lavender and different Mm -hmm. scents from over there. And such a different experience. Now, when I do that versus just burning sage, and not to mention we're using sage way too much um, and depleting it of the, like the resources and making sure you get it from the right spots and stuff like that is. Yeah. What do you have locally is what I'm going to say to people. Mm. What do you have locally? Yeah. So I've kept you for a long time and I could talk to you forever, but. Where can people find you? Oh, Heather, they can't avoid me. Um, <laughs> my website is corbymitlide.com. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, Medium, uh, all Corby Mitlide. And if you want to work with me on a regular basis, uh, my teaching platform is on Patreon. Come and join us. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being on Insightful Adventuring. And I will put all those links in the show notes so you as listeners can find it. And so thank you so much for being here. It was lots of fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into Insightful Adventuring. What a great interview with Corby. It was so wonderful to be in the space with her and be able to learn all the things that she had to teach us and share with us and what power behind words and the energy between souls. So thank you for tuning in. If you like this episode, please subscribe, leave a rating or a review or both so we can keep this podcast going. And if you do and are interested in learning more about solo travel and what that means for you, and again, it could be short-term, long-term, but if you're trying to figure out how to create that trip of a lifetime for yourself and feel confident doing it, please send me an email or a DM to get on the list so we know that we can contact you and share about that coming up. It's going to be a powerful experience for everybody involved. And it's just going to get you that little step. We talked about how everything takes little steps to get somewhere. And it's so true. Sometimes we see those big things that have happened and we think, oh, I don't know if I can ever reach that. It all takes steps. And we're going to talk about those steps um, in the training. So feel free to reach out and let me know that you're interested in learning more about traveling solo confidently. And I look forward to seeing you then. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. Take care.